thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Pastor Jason kicked off a series last week. If you were not here, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. We started this series called Build Your Faith. And today we're going to do part two of Build Your Faith. Pastor Jason will be back next week and continue that. But um, we're going to talk about what does that mean to build our faith. Today we're going to look at some uh, building blocks. Um, I discovered a few. And I've discovered a few from uh, my walk with the Lord and my 37 years of walking with Him. But the building blocks that we're going to talk about today are probably not the building blocks that uh, we would want to build our faith with. So I'm going to start by praying for all of us. I'm going to pray that God will meet us where we're at, that His Word will do what only His Word can do, and will accomplish the purpose that He sets out for it to accomplish. Amen? Father, in Jesus' name, we humble ourselves this morning. Lord, as we've worshiped you this morning, we've declared your name is beautiful. Lord, we've been reminded in a sobering way that uh, the communion that we embrace and that we celebrate cost you greatly. Lord, you never questioned. You were never apprehensive about doing that. God, you wanted to create a way for humanity to have a relationship with you that was unencumbered and not hindered by animal sacrifices. Thank you, Jesus, for the ultimate sacrifice, yourself. Lord, I pray this morning as we would open your word that we would embrace it with fresh revelation, with fresh passion. Father, sometimes we can come to your word and maybe we've heard something before and we don't allow it to do what you intend for it to do. Lord, would you supersede any distractions this morning? Would you supersede anything that might stand in the way of your word accomplishing the purpose you intend for it to accomplish? In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to ask you to take your outlines, and we're going to look, first of all, at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. This is where we started last week. Pastor Jason kicked it off with this. The author of Hebrews says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Just think about that word for a minute. We want to please God. You want to please your heavenly Father, not in a religious way, but in a relational way. God says, and he gives us an indicator here, you cannot do it. It will be impossible to do it without that component of faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So, we're talking about building faith. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that we cannot please God without it. I wonder what the pursuit of man has been historically in trying to please God or get God's approval and missing out on the component that actually builds us up and draws us closer to God, that which is faith. And so today we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it uh, in some challenging ways certainly, but I put a, a statement on your outline, definition of faith. There's many of them, but here's just one. Faith is this. It's a belief in or confident attitude toward God involving commitment, that's a big word, important word, to His will for one's life. Let me read it one more time. Faith is this. It's a belief in or a confident attitude toward God involving commitment to His will for one's life. 
That's what faith is. There's many definitions of faith, but it's this idea that if faith is going to be developed in our lives, if we're going to build faith in our lives, God is certainly going to partner with us, but it's going to take a commitment. It, it is not something that we just wake up automatically and get this, this download or this infusion of faith. It's going to take a commitment in our, on our part, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. But I want you to just, for a moment, where you're at in your walk with the Lord, just honestly assess um, the condition that would describe your faith today. And there's a couple suggestions on there today. It, on your outline, just put a check in the box that would describe maybe where you would see your faith today. Your faith and your walk with the Lord today, do you see it as stalled? It doesn't seem to be moving anywhere. It just seems like you're, maybe you're in that mud. Maybe that's what my dream was about. Uh, uh, stalled. Maybe, maybe you feel like your faith has failed you. Maybe you feel like you failed, and maybe that's the place that you find yourself. Maybe you feel like it's declining. Maybe you felt like at one point you were right here and you were ready to jump out and launch out, and, and, and now you just feel like something's missing. It seems to be declining or lacking, very similar. Or maybe you're in a place today where your faith is thriving. I would say that a lot of it is circumstantial and situational. Depending on what we're going through and what we're experiencing, it could be circumstantial or it could be situational. I want to give you the first point, and when I give you this first point, I'm going to read the scripture that supports this first point, and, and I want to talk about some building blocks today that are going to make us a little bit uncomfortable. How many of you would agree with me in here that you want to build your faith? And just honestly, I, I don't want to show hands if you're not serious, but if it's true that it's impossible to please God without faith, how many of you in here would say you want your faith to be built or developed? If that is true in our lives, then it, it is going to be costly. And here's what the Bible tells us. Let me give you point number one, have you fill this in on your outline. The building of our faith, or maybe we should say the building of my faith. Say my faith. Say it again. The building of my faith is strategically planned by God and comes with the exposure to trials and tests. If, if we are going to build faith in our lives, it is primarily going to come through exposure to trials and tests in our life. Now, that's not something fun to sign up for. Nobody signs up and says, God, I want to start my Monday with three fiery trials. Give me three fiery trials and one test. Or give me one test and two trials. We don't want that. N none of us want that. We want to walk and we want to serve God and certainly we'll go through what, what God wants us to go through. But the idea of embracing trials and tests to develop or build our faith is a challenging thing. That's why there, there, there has to be this predisposition in our minds or a determination before we get there that says, I am committed to your will for my life, Lord. See, when we, when we mark that commitment in our hearts, that line in the sand, I'm committed, God, to whatever it is that you want me to go through, when we make that determination, then when the trials and the tests come, it makes them more palatable. They are certainly not easy to go through. We're going to start by looking at this scripture from Peter. This is the epistle uh, from Peter, 1 Peter. The story we're going to talk about in just a few minutes is prior to Peter's epistle. And we're going to look at a story in the Bible where Peter had to deal with these building blocks that we're going to talk about today. 
But, 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 but this is Peter reflecting on what's happened in the past in his life. In other words, all of the things that happened when he walked with Jesus, the things that he experienced or encountered when walking with Jesus, he is writing about in his epistles. He's writing to us to get us ready for what we need to walk through, just as he did. And here's what he said. Peter said this, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's kept in heaven for you and I, who through faith, say through faith, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, listen to him here. This is a man that can look in the rearview mirror and say, I've been there and I've done that. Here's what he says. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief. Suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, what? These trials. These have come so that your faith, say my faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So Peter, having walked through and experienced some things in the past, is telling us in one of his epistles that the trials that you go through are to purify your faith, are to perfect your faith, which is far more precious to God and far more precious to us than even gold is. And he goes on to say that the the trials and the tests that we go through that build up and develop our faith actually bring praise and glory and honor to Jesus Christ and will so when he is revealed. So, So Peter is saying that reflecting on a life that he has lived and not lived perfectly. Think about that for just a minute. Peter made the Bible and he didn't do it perfectly. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad for that? I'm, I'm glad that when we read about men and women in Scripture who walked with the Lord, we're not reading about any of them that was perfect. Not one was perfect except Jesus. So we're going to study the life of a man today that was not perfect, but he built and de- developed his faith. And we're going to look at th- three things today that I think are building blocks uh, necessary for building our faith. Zach, are you right around here somewhere? Can you come back out here? I needed a strong guy. Here he comes. So I'll I'll let you put that down for just a second, Zach. He he held on to this thing for the five minutes in the first service. And so, yeah, seriously, that's what CrossFit, that's what CrossFit will do for you. I, I called a friend of mine who comes to the church here, and he and I were in masonry construction for a lot of years together. And I sent him a message, and I said, Ray, do you have any 12s? And he knew what I was talking about. He said, do you have any 12-inch block? Because I had called Home Depot and I had called Jordan's and I couldn't find a 12-inch block anywhere. And so he met me at the dock door today and he actually found a contractor that had one. Um, And so he went and got it and he brought it. We were standing out by the dock door today uh, lamenting and looking down at these things. And we both said to each other, if we don't have to ever lay another one of those in our lives, that will be too soon. These things are, let me just tell you, these things are miserable to lay. 
This one is not concrete, but it still weighs about 40 to 50 pounds. And I was remembering this week as I was getting ready for this message, I was remembering a three-year period of time where I lived in Virginia, and I was doing masonry construction at the time, and these big jobs had footers that they had poured, and we, the bricklayers, were responsible for building the foundation out of these 12-inch block. And we'd, build, we'd lay these block three courses, so two foot high. We'd grout these blocks solid, leave a four-inch four ledge after the builders came in and framed up their construction, a four-inch ledge for our, our brick wall to go up and build the house. But here's what I remember. I remember when we were laying these block that we had to develop a strategy to lay these in the hole because the, um, the, the guys that were doing the backhoe work didn't dig the trenches wide enough. The trenches were only wide enough to literally lay the block. So one guy would stand on one side and another on the other side. And I remember thinking as we were laying those block how weighty they were. How weighty they were and yet nobody was ever going to see them. Nobody was ever going to see them because once the backfill was done, you never even got to see this 12-inch block that was laid in the hole that probably caused some of the back problems that I have today. But, but here's what I thought about. The building blocks to build your faith and to build my faith are weighty. They are weighty. And we're going to talk about those this morning. So, Zach, go ahead and pick those up. We're going to talk about three of them that Peter had to deal with and that you and I have to deal with. And one of those is fear. One of the building blocks to building our faith is fear. We are going to be exposed to fear. We are going to have to deal with the reality of fear in our lives. And God intends, remember we said trials. Say trials. Say tests. Those are the things that build our faith. So in the midst of those, what are some of the building blocks that we need to lay in the foundation of our lives so that we can begin to build on top of those things so that we can build that thing that brings glory and honor to God. And one of those is fear. The next one, go ahead and turn it around, Zach. He's doing a good job. Give him a, give him a hand. That is legitimately heavy. We, we had to lay 300 of those every day. The next one is failure. You are going to build faith by failing. It is going to happen in your life. It's not a question of, is it going to happen? It's a question of, when is it going to happen? And then what are you going to do in response to that? So we're going to talk a little bit about fear today. We're going to talk about failure. And then the last one that we're going to talk about is doubt. These are the building blocks that we're going to talk about today. Building faith. Are you in here today because you want to build your faith? I'm not convinced. Are you in here today because you want to build faith? Okay, now I'm convinced. Go ahead, Zach. Thank you. Ray said to me, yeah, good job, Zach. I said to, uh, I said to Ray when we were back at the dock door, I said, Ray, do you want that back? He said, no, I do not. I said, uh, does the guy you got it from want it back? He said, no. He said, you should take it home and have Melinda plant some flowers in it. So, babe, maybe it's coming home with us. I, I, I don't know. Okay. We just read a scripture in 1 Peter. 
And we talked about the reality that if God is going to develop and build faith or allow us to do it, then it's going to be strategically planned by Him, and it's going to come through trials and tests. I want us to look at a story. And it's a story in Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to bring it up here. And I want to read this story to you, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 31. And I want to read this to you, but I want to put it in context before I read it. This is the story of Jesus telling the disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side. Now, prior to this, they had just experienced an incredible miracle that they were actually a part of. 5,000 people were just fed with five loaves and two fishes. How many of you think your faith would be high at that point? No, come on, think about it. Think about you're with Jesus and there's no food to feed 5,000 people. And Jesus said, just give me what you have and it'll be enough. Wouldn't you walk out of there high as a kite? Yeah, we would be stoked. So the disciples have just experienced that. They've been doing ministry, so they're probably tired. And this is the context of where we pick this story up. And here's what the Bible says. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted. That is highlighted on your outline for a reason. I want you to just think about this for a minute. You mean to tell me Jesus insisted that they get in a boat and go into a storm. It's exactly what he was doing. He insisted that they get on this boat. He went to pray. And he insisted that they get on this boat and that the boat is going to take them into the middle of a storm. And here's what it goes on to say. He insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, while he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jesus, what did you pray that day? What did you pray? What did you pray, Jesus, when you went into the hills? Were you praying for those guys in the boat? Were you praying for them because you, after all, insisted that they get in the boat and, and start going across? Were you praying for them because you knew that they were going to sail into the middle of a storm? Wonder today, before we read the rest of this text, what is the storm that you're in the middle of? What is the storm that maybe you're getting ready to go into? You may or you may not know. But these building blocks that are found in this story are building blocks that allowed Peter to write his epistles later on. So we're going to evaluate those a little bit. So when we get to heaven, let's ask Jesus. What did he pray? Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from the land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, notice this, they were terrified. Here's, here's fear like a two-by-four in the forehead. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. You ever been terrified before? 
He was terrified, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? So, I want us to look at this story in Matthew chapter 14 because every component of those building blocks is in this story. Bible says they were terrified. Peter, for sure, maybe the others were so terrified they couldn't even speak. We don't even know who they were that were in the boat. But they were terrified with fear. So fear is the reality of, of what they're going to experience. So is failure. And so is doubt. So did Peter not have enough faith? Did Peter not have enough faith? Or was it something else? I want you to think about that for a minute. Did Peter not have enough faith to do what God had called him to do, or was it something else? I want to show you something I have in my pocket. Probably doesn't look like I have much in my pocket, does it? Got some chapstick. I got my Leatherman in my pocket. But in this pocket, I have something that would represent every single one of you sitting in this room. Every single one of you, probably 600 or so people sitting in this room right now. I just asked this question. Did Peter have enough faith or was it something else? This little baggie that I have in my hand right here, maybe the camera can zoom in on this a little bit, actually has mustard seeds in it. It has enough mustard seeds in it that represents every single one of you in this room. There's over, there, there are 600 mustard seeds in this bag. Ask me how I know. Do you really want to know? Ask me how I know. Pat Whiteley and Cindy Marsh counted them. They, they counted them. They, they actually counted them. I said, Cindy, please go to the store and buy for me some mustard seeds. So she got, goes and she buys the jar of mustard seeds. And I said, I need at least 600 mustard seeds. So she looks at the jar and she's trying to decide is there 600 mustard seeds. So she buys a second jar. So we have two jars of mustard seed at work. Just, I want you to think about that. That, that right there, that right there is a mustard seed of faith that Jesus said, if you have one of these, if you, say that's me, if you have one of these little seeds, you can move a mountain. You can move a mountain if you have the faith of a mustard seed. So is the question, Peter did not have enough faith, or is it something else? I gathered the people that were still at the office late on Thursday. And I said to them first, how many years have you been serving the Lord? And for the four or five that were in there, I did the math in my head. There were 233 years of serving the Lord represented in that room. So I, I have this audience, and I said, with your 233 years of serving the Lord experience, and then more than that in life, I have two questions for you. And here was the questions I asked. Of your five senses that you have, every one of you have them, or we're given those taste, touch, feel, smell. What's the other one? Hearing. Thank you. Let's say them again. What are they? Everybody say them. Say them in your own cadence. Say them. Just say them. I want to hear you. Say them. Not all of you are talking. Say them. 
to give me a chance to take a drink. Of all of the 233 years I asked this question, of the five senses that every one of us have, or hopefully we have, of those five senses, when are they fully developed? That's the question we ask. When are they fully developed? Are they fully developed at two, three, four? When are they fully developed? We ask that question. Could we answer that question? The truth of our senses is those five senses that we have inform us of the world that we live in. Is that true? Those five senses inform us. We learn if we've touched the stove too many times, when it's hot, you should probably not do that, right? So these five senses are meant to inform us. So we have five natural senses, but we also have another sense, which is a spiritual sense, and it's faith. It's that faculty that informs us, it informs us, of things that have to supersede natural senses. So I want you to think about the dynamic of that for just a minute and the challenge of that. So we have five senses that we learn to trust. What's Peter thinking as he's standing in that boat in the middle of a storm? And he's having to decide, okay, first of all, is that really Jesus? Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. Jesus says, come, so all of a sudden that sense has to start clicking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I recognize that's Jesus' voice. Oh, yeah. But then he has to use that sense of his sight. This is not a good thing for me to do. I don't know how to walk on water. Right? So he's using his sense to determine whether or not he's going to step. His natural sense is not going to tell him to do that. Isn't that true? The natural sense is not going to say, you should step out in the water. What if Peter didn't know how to swim? Don't assume he did. We don't know. The Bible never says Peter was a swimmer. He's going to go to the Olympics. Just because he fished doesn't mean he swam. Right? It could be true. So he's got a battle with all of these senses, these five senses that he's trusted up and through his adult life. And now he's got to take this other sense, this intangible sense called faith, and he's got to determine when is this sense going to supersede these things that we see or these things that we're challenged to do in the natural. Everything in the natural is screaming at him at this point. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I came across a video, and uh, I'm just going to tell you before I show it to you, I laughed. Don't laugh. Say, I won't laugh. Okay, let's see the video. <laughs> What's the matter? Hmm? Are you ready to go night-night? Come on. Come on, Mama. We are not laughing at the little girl. We, we are laughing. That, that's humorous to us that have learned to recognize and understand how the senses in our life work. Here's this little girl, however old she is, one, two years old, having to get familiar with the world that she lives in. All of a sudden, she discovers this thing that is not a foe. That thing called her shadow is not going to attack her. 
It's not going to hurt her. It's not going to scare her. But she sees it for the first time and she's startled by it. And, and I think sometimes in our lives when, when it comes to the things of God that God wants to use to build our faith, we can be startled by those things. And, and this sense, these five senses, just like this little girl. I don't know how old that video is. But hopefully none of us do that when we see our shadow. Hopefully the next time you see your shadow, you don't scream and you're not terrorized by your shadow. Why? Because you've come to recognize that that thing that really is with you all the time is not foe. It's actually just something that accompanies you everywhere you go. God's desire is that our faith accompany us everywhere we go. Because we cannot please Him without it. So I want us to look at a few things from this story. I've said this many times before, but I I believe it's really true. We are not allowed to violate the Scriptures by wandering from the Scriptures. But we are allowed to wonder. It's okay to wonder. I, I love to try to put myself in the place of people walking things out. I wonder what Peter was feeling at this moment. He was exhausted. Maybe he was on a spiritual high because he had just seen all these people fed. And now all of a sudden he finds himself in one of the most challenging situations that he's ever found himself in. And maybe you're there today. Maybe you're in one of those places today where you are incredibly challenged and you don't know what to do. Look at point number two. Point number two on your outline is this. Building your faith, say my faith, will involve an invitation that comes from the Lord. It's with an element of fear, the possibility of failure, and a companion, doubt. Let me read that again. Building your faith, say my faith, say it again, will involve an invitation, an element of fear, the possibility of failure, and a companion, doubt. The truth is, we're going to experience those things. And if we want our faith to grow, we want our faith to be built, we want our faith to mature, then we really need to be willing to walk through those things. This statement on your outline. Our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, do what seems unreasonable, and expect what seems impossible. That was Peter. Our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable. Is God asking you to bear something right now that just seems unbearable? God, I can't go through that relational... I I can't do it. God, I don't know if I have the strength to do it. I, I just can't see in the natural where that relational thing will work out. I can't see it happening. It's impossible to please God without faith. So it's not about what you see in the natural. So some of us might be bearing something that feels unbearable or something that seems unreasonable. Maybe maybe that thing that you're going through right now just seems unreasonable and you're thinking, God, why do I have to go through that? Why am I having to go through that? Nobody else is going through that. Why why don't I have a job? Why, Why is my health, why am I struggling with my health. What, what is this thing, God, that's going on in my life? It seems so unreasonable, God. Or maybe it's just impossible. You've tallied it all up, and it just, it's impossible. It can't work. 
You've done the numbers. You've crunched the numbers. And, and the fact of the matter is, it is just not going to work. So, let me give you point number three. And we want to talk about these three building blocks. Number three is this. There is a challenge that you must issue to yourself. And that is to overcome fear. At some point, Peter had to overcome his fear. At some point, Peter had to say, this is for me. I just know that I know that I know that I have to do something about the situation that I'm in. Why didn't anybody else do it? It might not have anything to do with their lack of faith and everything to do with God ministering to Peter at that moment. You know, there's times that God calls us to step out and do something, and he's not calling anybody else to step out and do it. He's just calling us to step out and do it. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to issue ourselves the challenge? Blake, you got to overcome your fear. Somebody said one time, tell on yourself before others tell on you. Can I tell on myself? Say, please do. So, first service, my first time teaching <coughs> on a Sunday morning with my iPad. Melinda said to me yesterday, you going to teach with your iPad? I said, I'm a little bit nervous about that. Here's my go-to. My go-to is my notes with a couple stickies. Doesn't matter what color. Sometimes it's pink. Sometimes it's yellow. That's, that's usually my go-to. So, I said, I'm going to step out. Now, I had to issue myself a challenge. This might sound silly to you. Sometimes the challenge that you have to issue yourself might sound silly. Seriously, it might sound silly. But I just thought, Blake, you should do that. Not because I'm trying to compare. I just thought, Blake, you should do that. So here's what I did in the first service. I failed miserably. I, I actually failed miserably. I missed point three. I, I totally missed point three. Totally missed. Were any of you in here for first service? And you actually came back for the second one? Here's, here's what it was. Here's what it was. You wanted to see, is this guy going to get it right this time? I, I mean, I just, I just swiped, and that thing, there it went, there it went, there it went. And then I tried to pull it back, and I'm trying to, probably doing the math in my head. Oh, man, are they going to see that I'm stressing out? No, seriously. I'm not trying to overbake this thing, but the fact of the matter is, it comes down to if we're going to overcome fear, we've got to issue the challenge to ourselves. I can't issue it to you. There, there was a challenge that was issued to Peter in that boat that nobody else probably heard. It was the whisper of the Holy Spirit probably. Because when you read that account in Mark's gospel, it says God intended to pass them by. It actually says that in the gospel of Mark, that God intended. So what, what was Jesus going to do? Maybe he was going to walk on the water and just walk by and say, hey guys, how's it going? It actually says that in Mark's gospel. But something was stirring on the inside of Peter, and he issued himself a challenge. And the challenge was overcome your fear. That's a building block. And that's a building block that nobody else will see. That gets buried. When the backfill is done, it gets buried. And it's that heavy stone that you can build on top of that nobody else gets to see. It's not fun. It's not fun when you have to deal with fear. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It is not fun. Look what Peter said. This is post. This is after walking on the water. Here's what he said. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due 
time. Cast all, say all. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Where did He learn that? Did He learn it here? Or did He just write about it here? I would submit to you that He learned about it somewhere else and then He wrote about it here. Let me tell you where I learned that, says Peter. When I was in the boat and I heard the whisper of the Holy Spirit, hey, Peter, you should walk on the water. And then all of a sudden, he's got to do combat with natural senses. And if we're going to build faith, we're going to have to combat natural senses. That does not mean that we give ourselves a lobotomy. That does not mean that we become stupid. That does not mean that we don't seek wise counsel. It doesn't mean that we don't still count the cost, weigh things out, all of those things that the Bible says. But what it does mean is there will come a time in our lives where we have to issue a challenge to ourselves to overcome fear, and it will supersede what seems nice, comfortable, or easy in the natural. How many of you have been there before? Only five of you. I need to have lunch with the five of you. Here's what Tony Evans said. It's not on your outline, but I'm going to read it to you. I love this. Tony Evans said this. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, merely because God said so. Ooh, that's good. Say, read it again. I'm gonna. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so merely because God said so. So, you got to issue yourself a challenge, overcome fear. Next one, point number four, is this. I haven't skipped one yet. I, there will be risks that you take. Failure is inevitable. Failure is inevitable. You are going to fail. Am I prophesying that over you? No, I am not prophesying that over you. The fact of the matter is, if your kids learned to do anything in life, it was because they failed. They tried to ride a bike for the first time without training wheels, and they fell down. And you didn't slap them and put the training wheels back on and say, don't ever do that again. I refuse to let you ever get on that bike again. You didn't do that. We didn't do that. We keep the training wheels off and we just keep working with them. Why? Because we're trying to teach them something. Just because they fail doesn't mean they're not going to be successful. Just because you and I fail does not mean we're not going to be successful. You are going to fail. And I am going to fail. But what are we going to do with our failures? Paul said, forgetting what is behind. I don't think he ever forgot that he was a homewrecker. I don't ever think he forgot one bit of that. But he didn't stay tethered to the past. He said, forgetting what is behind, I press on, I press on, I press on. There, there has to be something inside of us that issues a challenge to overcome fear and then deal with this reality that failure is going to be inevitable. If you are waiting and I am waiting for the perfect scenario and that there's no possibility for me to fail, then I am not walking in faith, which means if I'm not walking in faith that it's impossible for me to please God. Did we read that in the Bible? Yes or no? It's impossible to please God without it. Look what the Bible says, and this is, again, post this story for Peter. Luke chapter 22, Jesus is getting ready to die. Hardest time of his life. 
Peter, the man that walked on the water. Peter, the man that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. All these things to Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you. Sift you. What does sift mean? I don't know, but I don't like it. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Listen to this. Jesus knew. You told him, rooster's going to crow. You're going to fail me. You're going to deny me. When you've turned back, not if, there was something inside of Peter. When you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Look at the life of Peter. He failed. Great men in Scripture that failed. Abraham, David, Paul, Peter, John the Baptist. We can go down the list of, of people that failed. But, the, but they issued a, a challenge to themselves and they stepped out. Okay, God, you really want me to sacrifice my son on that altar? The one you told me you would make the inheritance come through? The promise, Isaac, you really want me to kill him? Tie him on the altar and kill him? Had to be some fear associated with that. Abraham failed. God, I'm, you, you know, I'm, I'm a little too old to have kids. Sarah's a little too old. We'll, we'll help out. We'll help out. What did Jesus do here? He prayed for faith. Praying that your faith may not fail. He didn't pray for the removal of a test. That's not what he did. We're not going to build faith by removing tests or trials. It's going to come when we walk them out. Pretty sure that clock back there is telling me I've gone a little too long. Can I have five minutes? Say, you can have five minutes. Thank you. Next point. Number five. I haven't skipped one, have I? Good. Always be an obstacle in your way. Always be an obstacle in your way. Confront doubt. There's always going to be an obstacle in our way. What was the obstacle for Peter? Could have been dozens of them. I don't know how to swim. It's storming out there. It's dark. I can't see my hand in front of my face. Whatever it was, we've got this reality called doubt that is a thing that is often present with us. Look what James says. I want to read this to us. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your what? Testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let that steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, so James is telling us these trials are going to come. They're going to come to test your faith. In the midst of that, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. God, I need your wisdom who gives it generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. Now notice this. There's always a choice. There's always a choice. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by that wind. That person must not suppose they will receive anything from the Lord. They are double-minded and unstable in all their ways. Consider this for a minute. Doubt. 
is the state of mind in suspension between faith and unbelief. Think about that for a minute. It's like the teeter-totter. So doubt is this state of mind in suspension between faith and unbelief. That's why he's saying, without doubting, for the one that doubts is like a wave. So, so you, you've got doubt that comes. And doubt can be a, a catalyst for spiritual growth if we do the right thing with it. I doubt I'll be able to walk on the water. And so you're wrestling that out and you're thinking about it. And then you've got this state of mind, doubt, state of mind in suspension between faith and unbelief. Who wins on the teeter-totter? One with the biggest caboose. That's the one that wins. The one that's weightier. The one that's weightier on the, on the teeter-totter wins. Which one's weightier? Which one is weightier in our lives? Is it faith or is it unbelief? Because doubt comes like a thief. Doubt will come like a thief. Man, Blake, I don't know. I don't know. You better not do that. What if you fail? Man, that scares me. Step out. Take another job. Move. Do that. Whatever that is. That, that, it's terrifying in the natural. It's a terrifying thing. Trials reveal your faith. A faith that is tested is one that can be trusted. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.